Royal Goods. What's that? Do you do you hear that? Is that the the hoofbeats of the state of Texas reopening? Why I think it is, and they they're carrying a sign that says, "Welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things." My name's Henry, and my name's John, and together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist. Wow, that's a very long banner that these these horses are carrying, John. That's right, Henry. We're coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist, which is to say, we're here to talk to you about the premier short-form streaming service, Quibi. That's right, Quibi. For just 10 minutes a show, you can experience a bunch of your favorite stars with no quality content. Now I just want everyone to know, uh, all of our fans, they've been fans, they've been champing at the bit for this. They've been saying, when is Zero Credits going to become the premier Quibi podcast? As we all know, the crown was taken by Quibiverse. However, things have transpired in the Quibi universe. That have put us at the top. So, baby, get ready for the ride, because we are now the only podcast that talks about Quibi. Hell yeah. Move over, Quabbin with Quib... Quibbin? Yeah, Quabbin with Quibbin's gone. Now, of course, everyone knows what happened to uh, Quibiverse, the first Quibi-centric podcast. I know that we're not allowed to talk about podcasts here, but I think this one uh, is important. Uh, Quibiverse, which was hosted by Rob Diesendorf and Danielle Gibson. Uh, yeah, they sound was, like podcasters. Absolutely. It was meant to uh, discuss the various quick bite content offered by Quibi. And then, of course, uh, like all products that want to uh, have their best foot forward when they're launching something that is uh, divisive and largely disliked, they sent them a cease and desist and told them they could no longer do a podcast called Quibiverse, nor could they discuss the content therein. Wow, John. Uh, What I'm hearing... For the first time, I this is this is insane. The story that you're presenting, are you really suggesting that Quibi stands for Quick Bites? Oh, I did not realize that until just now, and I dislike it even more. Is that what? Because I always thought it was quotient biracial. <laughs> and they were trying to solve the racism problem through 10-minute little skit, skits and, and shows. It appears as though they're trying to solve the bite speed problem by saying only the bites can only be quick. Only quick bites. So you're telling me that in this day and age where podcasts can make or break certain fandoms of 
movies and streaming services and what have you that <laughs> the geniuses that came up with Quibi saw people talking about their product and said, well, we're not going to have any of that. Yes, the uh, the 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 billion dollar company that is Quibi, the the peop- the geniuses behind it decided that rather than have people talk about their content in a positive way, which not a lot of people are doing about Quibi stuff, that they should um, shut that shit down. Uh, so Quibiverse is now called Streamiverse, which exists only out of uh, spite and hatred for Quibi. Uh, and uh, I, I join you, brothers. I would like everyone to know that this will be the only episode where we discuss Quibi because I would be perfectly happy to be served a cease and desist order from Quibi so that I'd never have to think about it, talk about it ever again. The the thing about Quibi to me is that uh, the from the onset of the launch of whatever you want to call it, this platform, that they made their announcement during the Super Bowl and their commercial was just confusing and stupid. It was like people on the street looking at their phones and like smiling. And I guess they showed maybe clips of the things that they were going to show, but they didn't explain what it was that it's only tied to your goddamn phone and that it costs $10 a month to watch shows that are just 10 minutes long. And indeed, they uh, they it's a genius marketing strategy because it is a platform which uh, right now you can watch everything on in no time, maybe a day. Everything is uh, tremendously short. They also give you a 90-day free trial of Quibi. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure no one is going to burn through all of that content and cancel it. But Henry, I hear what you're saying. Um, what is the artistic merit of Quibi? And I'll tell uh, you, I know that this will be the only episode where we are allowed legally to talk about Quibi because uh, the 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 Quibernies, Quibi attorneys are drafting up the cease and desist as we speak. But let me run a little thing by you, Henry. Have you ever heard of Sam Raimi? Oh, yeah. He was the director of Spider-Man 1 through 3, also the Evil Dead, good friends with Bruce Campbell, and uh, that's what I know about him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I like Sam Raimi quite a bit. He has a show on Quibi uh, called Quibi's 50 States of Fright. That, sounds, is... that sounds lame, John. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Uh, it's a it's a series about folk tales from all fifty states, broken up into three ten minute episodes. Which let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Quibi probably exists to cut unions out of the equation by cutting down episode length. But I would have you ever watched a little show called Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Uh, no, I haven't, but I am aware of it. It is uh, it is very popular, lauded for the for the acting of one Rachel Brosnahan with that uh, quick Gilmore Girlsy dialogue. But something I'd like to run by you, Henry, and maybe change your mind on Quibi. Have you maybe heard of Sam Raimi's Fifty States of Fright presents the Golden Arm? No. I would like now to take a short break from the podcast and show you something and then return. Okay, uh, let's do it. 
All right, we'll be right back with the Golden Arm. Well, so, uh, Henry, what did you think of of premier television in the form of Quibi's Fifty States of Fright presents the Golden Arm? <laughs> John, there is uh, there, there's a plot line in Arrested Development. Uh, young Tobias who uh, has no hair, gets hair plugs and develops something called graft versus host disease in which uh, the, this hair starts killing his body and they, they throw a fundraiser for him. And when it's revealed that all he has to do is get rid of the hair plugs and he could live, everyone gets really mad at him and the fundraiser. And I'm going through very similar sentiments, <laughs> having watched that golden arm clip that you that you made me watch. So I, w- I would like to express to the listeners, uh, this episode of 50 States of Fright presents the golden arm. Rachel what Brown state is that from? <laughs> Michigan, I think. Oh, fuck uh, Michigan. <laughs> but it is it is a beautiful pastoral shot of Rachel Brosnahan coughing into a, <laughs> into, into a really meticulously CG'd on, CGI, CGI'd on golden arm that looks like a fucking infinity gauntlet. It looks like um, fucking C-3PO. <laughs> it, it cuts to a character we don't know saying she got sick. A doctor informing her it is a pulmonary gold disease. <laughs> Sounds legit. It's it's just so good. Rachel Brosnahan has won an Emmy. In the past. <laughs> In the past. The thing about Quibi, to me, is everything on paper seems like, oh yeah, I want to check that out. Because they're, they're getting good directors, good writers, great talent, and letting them just kind of do whatever they want. But they're churning out pure shit. I I almost feel like if you look at the amount of if you look at the amount of talent on Quibi, it almost feels like a Freddy gut fingered situation uh, where they're intentionally making content that's bad. Uh, that that almost has to be it because nothing on Quibi looks good at all, and most of what I've seen looks like offensively, willfully bad. So I I genuinely don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I am I have not looked into Quibi at all because I think the whole premise is stupid and I don't think I think our content doesn't need to get shorter. Yeah, very agreed. Yeah, I I mean 11 minutes for like a kids cartoon is pretty short, but like 22 minutes for your standard 30 minute length television show, it's like that's short enough. You can't tell compelling stories in a shorter amount of time and have it actually stick to the cultural consciousness. But I do want to say one thing, John. I, I need you to promise me something. Yes. Are, so are you listening? I'm listening. When I die, <laughs> bury me with my golden arm, John. Anything you want. Say it. I I will bury you with your golden arm. <laughs> it's, it's what? Just so what do you? How, 
What kind of folk tale is that? Did she like save a town or something beforehand? Or is it just the story of somebody who had a golden arm who got sick and died? I I just love that when she is confronted with pulmonary gold disease uh, and is told, you have to just remove the prosthetic. And she says, Baron, no, I'll never give up my golden arm. And her weak husband says whatever she wants. Immediate cut to her dying in the hospital. It's just unbelievable. Uh, the only oh, really wait, hold on. Oh, gold-induced pulmonary disease, colon, clinical features, outcome, and differentiation from rheumatoid lung disease. Gold-induced pulmonary disease is difficult to diagnose. Oh, but that doctor nailed it. I wonder what tipped him off. <laughs> it might have been the giant golden arm. The, the, the thing that gets me, though, uh, it's real, John. Uh, I'm sure that they did some amount of, of research uh, for, for pulmonary gold disease. Oh, uh, I thought it was made up for the show like a bullshit, you know, thing. Oh, so, okay. I'm, okay. I'm so, so sorry. Just. I, I will not pay a dime for Quibi, but absolutely I may, not. I may do their free trial because, from what I understand, their shop, all of their shows are ludicrously overproduced for their quality. Uh, someone describes the the Golden Arm shows being like beautiful and pastoral, with fully like designed sets and like good acting and. Just everything is turned up to eleven, but it's just so bad. Yeah, I, so that, that's the thing. It's it or give me death. It seems like they're throwing tons and tons and tons of money at what cannot be a sustainable platform. You know, you can't keep producing shows of that quality on a five dollar a month subscription. The dis- that's not how it works. You won't be able to attract the same amount level of talent and stuff if you keep over overproducing all your shows. But I guess who who knows, man? Who knows? Phones are technically higher quality resolution than uh, like television, so maybe that's why it looks better. Maybe all I know is is Jeffrey. Well, uh, we got into this a little bit, but there is an argument that Quibi purely exists so that they don't have to worry about SAG, etc. True. Because, because the episodes are shorter in length and cost under a certain amount. Uh, but hey, Jeffrey Katzen, what's his name? The ex-Disney guy, co-founded Bob DreamWorks. Iger. Oh, uh, Stephanie Meyer. He's the guy behind Quibi. He's like a billionaire. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Okay. I have a series of searches, one of which was Jeffrey Katzenberg Epstein, because I was hoping there was something there, but no, no dice as of yet. But let me tell you, my sleuth hat's still on. So Jeffrey, both of you, watch out. Uh, How does this headline grab you, John? Quibi brand and content marketing chief Megan Embraz steps down two weeks after launch. Great. Very good. You know, that's what you want. You want to launch and then have one of your one of your head people just go away. There's a there's an incredible article, I think, on the Financial Times. Let me see if I can. Yeah. How Quibi's big budget launch turned into a horror show on the Financial Times as of 22 hours ago. Funny. But let me see. There's an incredible burn in here. Okay. 
let me read the beginning of this Financial Times article by Elaine Moore, published yesterday. I think the opening paragraph or the opening salvo of this article is incredible. Uh, I seem to be the only person I know who's watching Hollywood's new multi-billion dollar streaming service, Quibi. In spite of a glittering array of celebrity backers, it languishes at number 188 in Apple's UK Entertainment Apps chart, and reviews are lukewarm. (laughs) Quibi is less popular than the Super Slime Simulator, just like real slime, and Bald Booth, which offers to show you pictures of what you would look like bald. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> amazing so it's got some sprit- uh, some pretty stiff competition uh if uh if that's what it's up against almost 200th in uh in the list of most downloaded apps quibi wow. is uh, gonna be great yeah they're, they're nearing three million downloads and uh get this john as of this article came out earlier today tv streaming is on the way Wait, hold on. So Quibi is now going to stream two televisions? Quibi has also announced that support for watching on television would be added soon, backtracking on their mobile-only stance that the service was initially built around. You know, you almost have to feel for Quibi. I hate how many times we're saying fucking Quibi. Uh, But you almost have to feel for them because there's literally no worse time for this thing to come out. No, yeah, this is... That, their, their whole yeah, their whole ad campaign at the start was like, man, you're just on the go and you only got little slices of time here and there. And then a global pandemic happens and now suddenly we all have large stretches of time where we're just trying to fill it with anything. And a 10 minute little show that I can finish in a day is not that's not the answer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we now are living in a world where people can say, yeah, I've watched Cheers three times all the way through. Yeah. But it's really unfortunate because, as everyone remembers, Quibi's initial ad during the Super Bowl, it said, uh, we know you're busy. You're going back and forth between gatherings of greater than 10 people, maskless and unafraid. Yeah, they took a really weird bend on their their whole initial like offering, but it's weird how that kind of blew up in their face. Yeah, no one even really thought about the fact that we were just going around wearing masks and not going to gatherings of greater than 10 people. And it even went as far as to say Quibi, perfect for movie theaters. Barber shops. <laughs> Bowling alleys. Bowling alleys. All of your favorite non-essential businesses are places <laughs> where you can watch Quibi. Spend some time in the grocery store taking up two aisles <laughs> worth of food with Quibi. <laughs> Lean over to the person next to you, even if you don't know them. Breathe in their face and whisper, <laughs> Quibi. <laughs> Quibi. Only watchable with five other people on a subway. <laughs> Quibby! For when you want to cough into someone else's <laughs> mouth. Uh, <laughs> Quibby! Only losers stay at home for greater than 12 hours. <laughs> Are you a loser? Oh. Please watch at full volume in, an, in a crowded elevator. <laughs> Quibby! Uh, it's I you know none of us could have predicted how this would bite them in the ass. This is a real black swan event. Oh yeah, Natalie Portman. Yeah, feathers. 
Feathers, Mila Kunis, yeah. We remember different parts of that movie, though I now remember the part you're talking about. Uh, I was just naming actresses that are in the movie, John. Are you are you perhaps thinking of a particular scene? Uh, enough about Quibi. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say folktales, <laughs> sorry... Backing up to Sam Raimi's Fifty States of Fright, uh-huh. that covers folk tales I have from repeatedly all- called it Fifty States of Fear. Perhaps at some point. Oh, maybe that's what it's called. I don't know. Uh, I'm not reading anything. Just going like the premise is that they cover folk tales from each state. Is there nothing else going on in Michigan that Golden Arm is their go-to folk tale? I. I'm about to blow your mind. Hmm. So there is a Wikipedia article for the Golden Arm. Are you kidding? Like, okay, so this this is a real thing. This isn't just like a thing. So the Golden Arm is a term used for a craps player who has rolled dice for over one hour without losing. Hold on, wait, that's the wrong one. The Golden Arm is a folktale, a story appearing in multiple cultures through oral tradition and folklore, most famously told by Mark Mark fucking Twain. Yeah. And also used by him to instruct others in how to tell a story. The tale begins with a death or a recently deceased victim who has an artificial limb, usually an arm made of gold. The victim has their limb stolen after their death, most often by a loved one or trusted one in greed. Then the victim comes back from the grave looking to get their... This sounds very different than the story we were watching. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Then the victim comes back from the grave looking to get their golden limb back and scares the robber into giving back their arm. Well, that's not a satisfying way to end a story. Wait, that's not even really a story. Like, a person gets something stolen from them. Then they go back and get it. Listen, obviously... (laughs) Cause and effect, beginning and end. Listen, I don't know what kind of hero's journey (laughs) shit you're on, but when Mark Twain talks, you fucking listen. Yeah, yeah, when he says jump, you say... uh, the frog the the, the frog story this he has a story about a jumping frog this tale is part of the arna thompson type 366 what which means that a corpse comes back from the dead to claim what was stolen from them usually a body part article of clothing or odd what the fuck this is an archetype? The Arna Thompson Uther Index? This is insane. We just discovered a rabbit hole on Wikipedia about the different types of folktales. Um, there is a tremendously well-documented system for types of folktales. Guys, if you're out there, look up the Arna Thompson Uther Index, because I will be looking it up for the rest of the night. This is like a fucking TV Tropes thing. They even have, like, the cat as helper 545B. (laughs) Jesus Christ. For example, tail types 400 to 424 all feature brides or wives as the primary protagonist. Do you feel as though maybe... This is amazing. 
Do you feel like these, I imagine like a spotlight scenario, people with bankers boxes full of folklore, <laughs> just a card number would be like, ah, I got your 501c3's cat marries a frog. <laughs> and so we've all imagined a dystopian setting where something, you know, unpredictable, unexpected becomes the, uh, the primary means of trade. And uh, the, the, the true answer is going to be society collapses, everything's over, but this Uther index is the only way we can we can keep track of value, and it's just it's by rarity. And it turns out the the rarest stories go for a lot of water and materials and supplies. So <laughs> uh, so you know. If you got that 510A Cinderella, you're, you're going to be set in the end times. I have to be honest with you, Henry. This is a phenomenal thing to discover live because I've, I've found an index of it. So it has this thing called prop functions, which it's like beta one, absentation, departure of elders, beta two, death of parents, beta three, absentation, departure of siblings, function two, and interdiction is addressed in protagonists. Interdiction is gamma. Gamma is the interdiction issued. Gamma two is the inverted form of interdiction issued as order of suggestion. I'm going to do something real quick, Henry. What are you going to do? For the Thompson Motif Index, I'm going to read through the list of motifs, and you stop me when you hear when you want to hear more about. Okay. So mythological motifs, animal motifs, motifs of taboo, magic. Oh, no, 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 no. Motifs of taboo. Let's get weird with it. Motifs of taboo. Okay. So this is the C motif. Uh, and this is 980 items long. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you could have stories that pertain to profanely calling up a spirit or a devil, etc. Calling an ogre or destructive animal. Offending supernatural relative. <laughs> wait. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. Offending supernatural relative is like, you know... Denying the uh, the old woman a, like a loaf of bread at the end of the day, and then you get and, cursed. And then you have offending spirits of water, mountain, etc. That's a common one. Offending the gods, offending sacred beings. Uh, then you have your sex taboos, sexual intercourse, kissing, pubescence. Oh, whoa, gross! What? Oh, that's oh, kissing. Jesus, cr- you, John. I know we have the explicit tag, but God. Okay, maybe these will be more to our taste. The eating taboos. Perhaps section C200 would interest you, which is taboos surrounding eating in general. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Am I not supposed to be eating this whole time? You also have eating in a certain place, eating certain things, eating at a certain time, eating the food of a certain person. Mm. This is incredible let's look up i i swear i'll get off of this in a second but let's look up ogres there's a lot to do with ogres john there's only 650 well it's just okay so a- atu 328 
the boy steals ogre's treasure <laughs> equals jack and the beanstalk and 13 i am fascinated by how this system works some of these seem very very particular though cuz like atu 500 the name of the supernatural helper equals rumpelstiltskin and that's 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 the entire <laughs> That's the entire plot of Rumpelstiltskin. Like, is there how many other folklore, folklore tales, folk tales, whatever you call them, uh, are there where that is the the entirety of the plot? <laughs> it's like having a movie. Okay, it's it's like watching a movie. You're like, yeah, this is one of those movies where the name where the whale is named Free Willy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic that, that classic archetype. This is the trope where Superman's name is Clark Kent and he works at the Daily Planet. Oh, but if you get into comic books, that actually gets confusing. No. But it's funny, though, because we found this Arn Thompson Uther Index, and it's basically just TV tropes, but for only folktales. Yeah, it's. I, I'd be interested to know when this came about, because this might be like a, a, a TV tropes of antiquity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it absolutely is, because the person who invented it died in 1961. Wow. So TV Tropes copied them. Yeah. TV Tropes totally stole the Arner Thompson Uther Index. That's pretty amazing. And and it goes to show you that, you know, I, I guess uh, areas of study you didn't realize exist. There's an entire catalog of folktale types and elements that people routinely study and are probably still writing papers about to this day. I am so thoroughly entranced by scientists. I, I love that there's a, a realm of folkloristics. It's just yeah. great. I'm yeah, no, it, so it, it's much per- about this later. Reading, reading about like a description of <laughs> it, it's like reading. I don't know, like a like a a, um, a formula for uh, like chemistry or something where it's they just say like this this type is usually combined with episodes of one or more other types especially 327a 403 480 and it's just a list of numbers <laughs> it's like well if if you knew this stuff you would know exactly what these are referencing but because we're laymen it's just like just put all these parts together and you've got a folktale <laughs> i mean can you imagine knowing the person who reads that and they go, ah, E403 Gamma? That's stealing gold from your ogre relative. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It's like the, it's like the um, you know, the, the the common trope of like the police person who knows all of the, the different uh, codes that are read over the radio. I badly want to know that person. Or do I? I do. (laughs) I feel like they would either be immensely interesting or extremely boring. (laughs) I remember there was a time, maybe four or five years ago, where, God, maybe six years ago, where I was reading this article that I had no business reading that was like, you've been reading Beowulf wrong your whole life. Linguists have figured out that the opening line of Beowulf means something totally different. It rocked the Beowulf world. Oh, yeah. No, I remember when that happened. 
And uh, like I remember reviewing the the different line, and I was like, well, that's not that big of a change, but I guess you know, sensationalist headlines got to draw people attention to Beowulf again. But I mean, imagine you know, you're a you're what a master of English. Oh yes, please refer to me by my real name, English master. <laughs> well, English master. Imagine if you had like a PhD in Beowulf. If someone said, hold on now, the way we've been reading Beowulf, it's actually supposed to be a hearkening sound, as if told in a tavern. Your mind would come out of your nostrils. Well, I think, uh, honestly, given the the state of academia, your first response is, bullshit, and here's why that's bullshit, and no one better question my authority, because I know this, and then about 10 to 20 years after they've retired, the next wave of Beowulf scholars will be like, look, it's a Harkin noise. So this sounds like maybe this was told in a tavern. Yeah, that's that's about right. That's about right. Because there's one thing to, to, to do, one thing that's really hard to do in the, uh, the qualitative uh, studies that isn't quite as hard to do in the quantitative studies. It's like... Y- you can't change the mind of an English professor without a lot of work. Whereas in science, it's like, just recreate the study a couple of times and people will be like, oh yeah, that's right. We had the wrong value for that that entire time. Egg on our face. Here's a paper about why we were wrong. Boom, we've accepted it. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, I guess if you're talking about, if you're talking about something that is purely qualitative, you're being like, Listen, there's room for you to be wrong in your personal interpretation. And the case that I'm making is that uh, you are objectively wrong, but in your personal interpretation. (laughs) I I mean, that's where linguists and literaturists get into fights, especially over translations, where it's like, you're reading a translation. It's already being filtered. This is what the word actually is. It's like... Well, yes, but I refer back to the old readings of the text, which say this, because no literaturist can say what they feel without finding 10 other people that feel the same way. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I didn't pursue it further. (laughs) I'm glad I did numbers in school. Oh, man, numbers? What are you, like some type of god? No. No. Oh. No, I'm just a number god. <laughs> god here is being mistranslated. <laughs> they said that uh, the true name of God was Yahweh, but it's actually number way. <laughs> number way. Uh, anyway, that's enough about Quibi. So Quibi sucks. Uh, the the Arn Thompson Uther Index rocks. And that's what you should give your five dollars a month to. Seven dollars yeah. if you want the ad-free version. Yeah, and uh, believe me, for the Arna Thompson Uther Index, TV streaming is coming soon. <laughs> they launched without it at first, but they came around and realized people need to be able to watch the numbers of the things we're referencing fl- float gently across their screens. Yeah, I mean, if. Uh... 
just a, it's like having Disney Plus. Now that you finish The Mandalorian, the only thing that you do is have Simpsons on in the background. Imagine you've got the Arna Thompson Uther Index on in the background of a party. Someone walks by and like, oh, shit, <laughs> it's the one about eating in general. <laughs> oh, shit, stealing treasure from an ogre. That's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites, man. <laughs> they don't they don't make classifications of folklore like this anymore. Remember when Conan O'Brien wrote for the index? <laughs> he did the one about the monorail. <laughs> Times were different. Oh, the Simpsons index. You know, I would I would I, I, very I would very much be interested in founding the Simpsons index. Episodes in which Springfield forms a mob. Episodes in which <laughs> Springfield forms a mob for good. Episodes in which Springfield forms a mob for evil. I, I was going to say, I bet you could apply the ATU index to The Simpsons and like it translates perfectly between the two. Because Simpsons are our folklore now. Pretty much. And obviously Homer is the ogre. Obviously. Yeah, and Bart is the hero. <laughs> Bart is the hero. Hero's journey. Hero's journey. You gotta reject the father, embrace the mother, and become changed by the revelation that we're all just bred. Wait, what? That's it. I don't know. That's Joseph Conrad's weird monomyth thing that I tried to learn because I wanted to be more like Dan Harmon before I realized how bad of a person he was. Well, let me talk about Quibi for a second. There's a show about Dan Harmon's sex doll on Quibi. No, what? Uh, one of the, they wrote a show where like Anna Kendrick or somebody finds that their boyfriend has a sex doll, and it's loosely based on the writer being friends with Dan Harmon and Dan Harmon having a sex doll for a period of time. There's connections. Yeah, yeah I mean he did, and he. He saw himself as a hero because he was taking himself out of the dating scene, the dating pool, and just, like, thought that was a healthy... Okay, I don't want to get into this. John? Yes. <laughs> John, we, we've received some interesting news this past Monday, this past yesterday, and I, I feel like uh, we have to discuss it in great lengths because it affects this podcast going forward. Oh? Quick. I don't know if you... No, not Quibi. No, never Quibi. No, stop it. John, I don't know if you've realized this, but uh, we record this podcast in the great state of Texas. Did you realize that? Yeah, I'm, I'm at peace with it. Okay. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the great state of Texas has at the helm of its governorship one uh, Greg Abbott who on Monday announced that we are opening up Texas phase one goes into effect on Friday when this episode goes live. Mm. So you know what's going to happen, John? Uh, wait, does that mean we can start seating people and serving them food at the podcast again? Yes. Yes. That is exactly what it means. It means that our website can finally launch on sixth street. As long as we classify it as a restaurant, you know, going forward. But the, th okay. the catch is, the catch is, John, we can only have 25% capacity. Okay. 
So, I mean, just speaking in terms of our cool place to hang out and get a drink on 6th Street, which once again is a website, uh, it seems like it would be really difficult if we're being limited to 25% capacity um, to actually like pay our rent and bills. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. The economy's opening up again. Uh, restaurants must sit groups six feet apart. I, I suppose that goes for websites too. Uh, restaurants must have a hand sanitizing station available for customers of entryways. So if you could just like code that in with HTML, uh, that would be great. Uh, tables can only sit groups of six people or less. So if I don't know how the tables work on the website, but if you could make it so that there's no more than six seats at each table, that would be good. Um, Oh, this is interesting. We have to implement disposable menus. So if you could, I, I don't know. Um, I know menus are a thing on websites, but you, if you could like make it so that it just, just deletes itself after someone looks at it, that would be great. Um, condiments will be provided on a request basis. Uh, so I, I guess put that in the contact us section of the website. Plates and surfing wear will be placed on tables after patrons are seated. Okay, so that's easy. Just don't code the plates to be there until after someone is at that that part. Uh, buffets can be offered, but staffers must serve customers. Now, that one's going to be hard. Can we hire an intern to like always be on the website to like serve people? Yeah, I think I can code that in. It could code that in. All right. Contactless payments such as credit cards are recommended for cash. That's easy. Uh, that's really easy because it's a website. So, you know. And valet services are also banned unless it's for vehicles with disabled placards. That's all. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That, that, that one's easy too. So, it sounds like we could open at 25% capacity with our website. Yeah. Um so I wasn't aware of the uh, the content of this measure, uh, and and maybe I I have some problems with it, such as all of it. Wait, what do you mean? So are we still requiring people to wear masks? Oh, the, here's the great thing about that, John, and here here's actually where a lot of my anger is coming from. Uh, so. As you might be aware, because we live in Austin, uh, Steve Adler made it mandatory for people in public spaces to wear masks going forward until May 8th, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, Governor Texas Governor Greg Abbott, uh, <laughs> number one, declared that masks are highly recommended but not mandatory – and two, that his orders now supersede all local orders. Of course they do. Uh, I, they, did, they, I, just, I just want to reiterate and, and state maybe for the first time on the podcast, because I, I know I've said this in other places. Greg Abbott did not want to state any closures statewide. He left it up to the, the local leaders of cities and towns. There was no statewide shutdown of Texas. That did not happen. However, right now, he is opening a statewide reopening that he should not be able to do. 
because he never closed it in the first place. So uh, it sounds like, and I've only known about Greg Abbott for a little while, it kind of sounds like this dumb motherfucker just kind of sits around and lets his state govern itself unless he wants to be contrary and own the libs, uh, in which case he will take away his individual counties and cities' autonomy uh, at his will to prove a point. And in this case, that point seems to be... um, to kill people. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, if we're, we talk about classic, just like on paper, Republicans and Democrats, Republicans on paper have always been about small government, not impending on local businesses and, and cities' ability to run and govern themselves, except for when right now... <laughs> I mean, the- literally, and he's still saying like businesses can make their own decisions whether to open or not. But by not giving individual cities the right to make that call themselves, which is really insane, because I don't know if you know this right now, John, but Dallas and Houston are on fire. Yeah, they're real bad. Their, their numbers are off the charts, like, with confirmed cases, and they keep raising every day. Austin, thankfully, has been flattening the curve, and our spread hasn't been that bad. We're actually very, very lucky in that regard. And so, like, the state, the, the, the reopening of the state hopefully doesn't have that large of an impact on us, but it absolutely will have a huge impact on Houston and Dallas if businesses just open, like, if dine-in restaurants open up on Friday in Dallas and Houston. I just don't see that working well for anyone who lives there. Yeah. I mean, in, in Dallas and Houston, if they, because at least what Austin is doing for the most part is not opening. He, he is giving businesses the option to not open. And a lot of businesses are choosing not to, because they don't feel like it would be responsible. Uh, if Dallas and Houston don't follow suit, then those cities will be epicenters for the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about, like, a second wave. We're just talking about a never-ending first wave. Because we haven't gotten past the first wave! It's not like the first wave died down or anything. Yeah, we were, we've been flattening the curve, which is great. But what that means is, like, the number of cases is less and the rate of change is less. But it's still increasing. Like, we haven't gotten to the part where the, the numbers start to go down. It's like it's like your house was on fire and slowly the fire spread. And then at some point the fire got really bad and you're like, well, obviously it's going to calm down. <laughs> so, yeah, we well, need to take any action. The, the metaphor that I've been seeing a lot on social media is that, um, well, the parachute slowed my fall so I can take it off now. And yeah. you haven't reached the ground yet. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Now, a couple insidious things about this that I would like to call everyone's attention to, because I I feel like the the narrative surrounding this has gotten, unfortunately, twisted and simplified, because I think a lot of people are saying like, oh, it's like incompetence. These people don't have the foresight to understand what's going on. So they're opening up their economies. Uh, I think it's a lot more evil than that, honestly. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. the, The biggest thing is... 
and this speaks ideologically to something much bigger, uh, but this is part of what people warned about in the early days of this, which is going to be the great gaslight, which is interest trying to get you to go back to work and be a control group to get sick and to take the disease home to your families and die to prove how much we can operate at the edges of safety to uh, benefit the economy. Uh, and, and honestly, people would be perfectly happy if I think people would be perfectly happy if up to two million people died in America uh, and, and kept the economy plugging along. Uh, yeah, no, the, that requires some amount of social distancing and, and preventative measures. It, yeah, it, it's absolutely what the uh, the mayor of Las Vegas was trying to, to pull where it's like, yeah, yeah, let us be the control group. We'll let you know. We'll let the rest of the nation know. You know how many people can die, and the the you know the economy still stay afloat. We're, we're absolutely an experiment at this point, because even at twenty five percent capacity for restaurants and stuff, that's they're not going to be able to stay part profitable. It's all about putting people in the line of fire to see how bad the spread would be if we opened up again. And it's also worth noting that it's worth noting how much this fucks people over who are receiving unemployment and unemployment insurance, which is maybe the more insidious thing. Because yeah, no. yeah. the argument that people can make is if you're currently receiving, un- if you're currently furloughed or laid off or unemployed because of the current global pandemic, then if we open your businesses back up at 25% capacity, which can't make rent, you're going to be able to to make money and live. But a restaurant 25% capacity, if they're trying to be fair to people, will rotate people often. You'll have tremendously reduced hours and reduced workforce. Not only will the restaurant not be able to pay its bills, but you won't be able to pay your bills. And guess what? If you're offered to get your job back while you're receiving unemployment or unemployment insurance, then you if you don't take your job back, you lose unemployment and unemployment insurance. No, yeah. So if if you were in a position where you were recouping almost as much as you were making working full-time in an essential business, and you can't go back to work because you know you're not going to be able to make ends meet, or even more importantly, you don't want to fucking die. Yeah. Then if you say no, you lose everything. No, it's it's putting people in an impossible situation because you know not all places are great to work at. I would say most places are terrible to work at, but <laughs> you've got these managers who are in this position of like, well, I need workers to work the shifts. And so they might phrase it in a way like who wants to come back, but without saying like, if you don't come back, you're basically say like, you're basically quitting. And if you quit, you don't get any of your stuff. <laughs> it, it, this it's entirely like, let's get people off unemployment because it's costing too much. We don't want to have people float for free. People are making more money on unemployment than they do than they did when they were working. And that, People have a problem with that. All of this flying in the face of, hey, it's a global fucking pandemic and more people have died now than died over 20 years in the Vietnam War. I mean, it's it's absolutely true. We've surpassed the 58,000 that died in Vietnam. Just in the U.S. alone. I'm not even talking worldwide. Like, because God knows 
the people who want to reopen the economy are not looking worldwide. And it's it's just a fact that it's what is going to happen. If your job... Here's what's going to happen. I'll, I'll lay it out for you. Uh, if you live in America right now, this is going to happen on a governmental level. There are businesses that are going to choose to remain closed. There are businesses that are going to open... I, I honestly can't fault either of them. I don't think the businesses that choose to open are doing the wrong thing. They probably think it's safe or maybe they have too much trust in local government or maybe they're panicking and want to see any way that they can pay their bills. Uh, the businesses that stay closed are making a stand saying we don't want to contribute to killing more people uh, and, and we want to be principled about it. There are dozens of, uh, of restaurants and businesses in Austin that are doing the exact same thing. So you can't really blame either kind of business for what they choose to do. But if you are working in America, uh, you have to understand that your employer is going to do probably everything they can to get you back to work. So if you can do anything to stay home and not work without losing your job, do that. Because it's going to be slow at first. They're going to make it seem like it's an option for you to go back into the office, etc. But just don't. We have to make sure that as companies slowly try to roll this out, that we consistently say no. Because it's going to be a soft offer at first. They'll say, oh, you can go back into the office if you want. Or you can go back into work if you want, but if you're not comfortable, make it very clear you are not comfortable and would prefer to stay. Because once again, the thing that this is showing above all else is what creates wealth in an economy. It's not hedge fund managers and CEOs. It's people who do labor. You have power. So do that. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't be acting like this they wouldn't be reopening the economy this early into this pandemic if it weren't for the fact that the laborers are the ones who absolutely generate the wealth it doesn't come from management or ownership or job creation it comes from people who are literally at this point risking their lives to go to work at Chili's to feed let's say five people that's 25% of a Chili's capacity. <laughs> like it, it's insane. And uh, I, I think in this time, maybe we should honor at least one business who is going to re- remain closed despite the order. And it's my, one of my favorite businesses here in Texas and Austin, it's Alamo draft house. And they released a statement today saying we will not be opening our Texas theaters this weekend. Opening safely is a very complex project that involves countless new procedures and equipment, all of which require extensive training. This is something we cannot and will not do casually or quickly. But know this, when we do open, we will be providing the safest possible experience for both our staff and our guests, and we can't wait to see you all again. I mean, bravo to Alamo Drafthouse. We have to do everything we can to support businesses that make that same decision. Yeah, no. So, like, I, I know we can't really fault either side of this sort of argument. We can't be mad at the people who want to open up to restart the economy again because they're just doing the best thing that they think they can do for their business. And we can't only applaud the people who are remaining closed 
be, you know, just because of our take on the situation, I'm not running the business. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I don't know, you know, the runway a lot of these businesses have to keep operating in the same way. But I can remember the people who at least pay the lip service of saying they're trying to keep both their staff and their customers safe. And those are the people who I'm going to remember, not the people who are taking in these these small business loans, like, you know, Ruth Chris or whatever, and are still furloughing people. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to remember the businesses that are doing things in the worst way, and I'm going to boycott them when all is said and done. Hey, for, for lack of a better system, you vote with your dollars in America, so do that accordingly. Yeah. If only I could boycott other things, but that's not here nor there. This is just a message about Texas opening up. But uh, one of the funnier things, John, that came out about as the phase one uh, announcement on Monday, they reopened outdoor sports, John, but you're limited to only outdoor sports with a maximum of four people. Okay, so that's um, outdoor boxing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you got outdoor boxing. You've got, uh, I guess, golf. I guess as long as you keep it under four people. So that means no caddies, right? Or or two people and two caddies. Two people, two cat. I mean, if you think you're going to catch me fucking dead playing golf without a caddy, you've got another thing coming. I mean, uh, isn't having a caddy like 80% of why people play golf just so you can like boss around someone? It's going to be me, my two caddies, and one other person. (laughs) And one other person with no caddies. Oh, well, it's it's actually fine because um, Greg Abbott doesn't consider caddies to be people. (laughs) Um, But I guess you could play, you know, uh, Top Gun Volleyball. Yeah, volleyball works. But only oh, of the top, I, only of the Top Gun variety. Yeah, only of the shirtless only of the, men. The only of the the movie kind. Only movie volleyball yeah. need apply. What what else could I guess? Mini golf, which is just golf by another name. I I guess just golf and volleyball. Golf and volleyball. So. <sighs> Well, wasn't one of the uh, the arguments of the people protesting re- opening the government? Wasn't like they 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 were complaining that they wanted to play golf? So I guess that's why. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, don't cancel my golf season or whatever. What? What the fuck is a golf season? Which you know, if if that's the concern, like you already know where you can go fuck off. So go do that. It's like we live in, we live in central Texas. Golf season is one week in March when the weather is not boiling hot or freezing cold. Well, the, the other, uh, the other 11 and a half months of the year, you play Texas golf where you, uh, you, um, you hit it with a cactus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I already made this joke to you over our messenger, but uh, one thing that was that I found funny is that uh, gyms are not open yet. 
So that's going to be maybe in phase two, but they are expanding capacity for houses of worship. And that's really confusing to me because those are the same place. Iron church, baby. Iron church, man. You got to worship. You got to build up the temple of your body and the temple of bodybuilding. So, I mean, it sounds like gyms are open, but only if you can convince people that your religion is uh, gains. Hey, I know how to do that. One peep at these pecs, Greg Abbott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there's other things, I guess, in the order that aren't really worth talking about just because it, it's a repeat of the restaurant stuff. Like malls and shopping districts are going to be reopened at 25% capacity, which I don't think is going to serve any purpose whatsoever other than the lobbyists and the people who are friends of Greg Ibit who own all of the malls will be placated. Hey, I mean, for what it's worth, Simon Properties is opening up all their malls and shit again, proving once again uh, that they are the worst. <laughs> yeah, so like the, the domain is going to be open again. Can't wait for no one to go there. I, I just, listen, if to fuck around in H&M and to drink a novelty milkshake, the prices I kill myself and everyone I love, that's a price I'm willing to pay. Wow. That's what it would take. <laughs> that That's the price of admission. There, there are coughing bouncers standing at the gates, coughing on everyone who enters the domain to make sure that you, you pay your price. Listen, I'm just saying, if you want to keep me from buying a $17 pair of fast fashion sweatpants, if you think you can stop me, shoot me in the brainstem right now. You're, you're never <laughs> going to stop me. You're never going to stop him. Even when you get shot, you're still going to stumble forward a good five to 10 feet on your way to get that item that you just said. Yeah, that's, um, it's actually CA423, uh, a, <laughs> a deceased shopper reclaims his sweatpants. Reclaims his sweatpants. Uh, phase two, if it happens, would happen on May 18th and would extend to uh, re-examine opening gyms, bars, and barber shops. I mean, cool. It's not going to happen, though, because over the next two and a half weeks, we're going to see the cases like triple. Yeah. The, the thing that I don't get is uh, phase one included dentists. And, and, dentists. And <laughs> specifically dentists. No, uh, uh, dentists. I don't know how to. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't know how to make that any more clear because of the way I speak. I can't enunciate silent <laughs> syllables. But um, dentist or dentistry actually has one of the highest chances of catching and spreading coronavirus because of the oral aerosol that gets created with drilling and cleaning teeth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the place where it all comes from and you're spraying it with high pressure water and drills. So they're in phase one, but gyms and bars are in phase two. Yeah, and the, the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is is phase one also included um, the those bars where they lick the inside of your mouth. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lick ice cream bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is not to be confused with a lick ice cream bar. We are talking about a lick ice cream bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lick ice cream bar. Where yeah, you, you lick the inside of my mouth ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they've got a, they've got different flavors. Yuck! <laughs> All right, that's as far as that bit can go. Um, I just I can't believe that just a couple of days ago we were making fun of Florida for opening their beaches, and then we made fun of Georgia for reopening completely. And like I'm saying, like Texas was making fun of these people, and now here we are opening up, and now we are the source of ridicule for the rest of the nation. And it's just like, why is it all the South Southern states? Why are we all banding together to be this stupid? Because we're the bad ones. Honestly, we're, we're the ones who make a point to make bad decisions. (laughs) I've lived in the South my whole life. I, I, I have a certain affinity for it, a certain love because it is my home. But I wish for once we could we, we, we could not be the butt of the jokes because of the decisions we make and just because of people's shitty stereotyping of the South. I mean, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with people stereotyping, stereotyping the South for shitty reasons. But now as I've grown older and older, we keep fucking proving the goddamn stereotypes. Like, can we not for, for a decade? I mean, we we are the only case where it is true that the stereotype is accurate. Oh, I so my sincere hope, and I mean this for full, full sincerity. I hope to be proven wrong. I hope we don't have an explosion of COVID cases. I hope that this stupid economic op- reopening goes over well. But at the same time, I hope it all collapses and fails. It's like I'm stuck between wanting to be proven wrong and everything turn out to be all right. And then also being proven right. But still, everyone, everything turn out to be all right. I don't want more people to die. Unfortunately, I don't feel like there's any way out of that from happening. Yeah, I mean, the the only other thing is more people don't die. But then Greg Abbott is right. which is the worst outcome. Yeah. If only there was a way to change his mind and like, you know, persona five style. Uh, I just, the only thing I know about persona is you could date that Fox. That's only persona four date that Fox. It's the wrong game, John. And it's not a Fox. It's a Fox spirit. Nah. <laughs> I've lost you completely. I mean that that was that was all I had to say about Persona 4. It's a good game. I'm sure Persona 5 is great and Persona 6 will be in Texas. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. So I guess we'll keep you guys posted. I know we don't really like talking about coronavirus news, but this was different types of news. This wasn't just like we weren't going to just re- be reporting statistics growing or shrinking or what have you. This was an actual development in the case as it pertains to our daily 
lives and the, the lives of the podcast. So I guess and we'll keep you updated. It was hyper local too, which is very on brand. Yeah, I, yeah, I forget we are the capital of Texas. Ah, oh, damn it, we are. <laughs> I keep forgetting that. Man, uh, I always forget that when I'm in the Capitol building. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is a really weird Walgreens. <laughs> this is there's a lot of stars in here. <laughs> Why is this building? so much fancier than every other building I've been in. Why are they giving me a tour of this Walgreens? <laughs> I'm just here to find toilet paper, damn it. Uh, I have found... Uh, here's the thing. You need toilet paper? I got no, like no, we, 18 rolls. We, 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 we've, got, we've got toilet paper. Um, we are found, you forwarding, you son of a bitch? No, we found it this past Friday when we went to the store. Only it's this weird HEB brand, which for some reason has two really weird looking pandas on it. <laughs> oh, it's the instead of the Sherman Bears, it's the HEB pandas. <laughs> yeah, HEB pandas, which is like, if it's going to be HEB, which is only in Texas, <laughs> why the hell are they pandas? I mean, it's uh, it's the most Texas animal next to uh, the um, the axolotl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The top top three Texas animals: uh, the axolotl, the panda, and the komodo dragon. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't swing a dead komodo dragon without hitting one of them. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, that's that's the preferred method of taking out komodo dragons is with the body of another komodo dragon. You gotta be careful which way you spin it, though. You have to grab it from the tail, like Bowser from Mario. If you grab it from the mouth, you're dead. Yeah, you know the thing about Komodo dragon bites, right? Um, no. Oh, is that what Quibby stands for? No, 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 no. In fact, uh, the thing about Komodo dragon bites is they're very, very slow. They're oh, slow. The bites be- are slow. The bites are slow. They're slow bees. Oh, god damn it. No, but true. Here's an animal fact. Uh, If you get bitten by a Komodo dragon, their mouths are filled with a mixture of bacteria and poison that will continuously sap your energy. So, like, they bite you and they don't pursue you because they know they can just find your corpse later. It's really sick. So, Komodo dragons bite you, make you depressed, and don't chase you. (laughs) They don't chase you because they know they'll find you later. And that is the slowest bee that I can think of. (laughs) God damn it. Oh, slow bees where the episodes, the first episode is still going. The budget doesn't exist. There are no stars and you can only watch it on a tablet, like a stone tablet. Yeah, and by the way, the episode is your your prey staggering away from you. <laughs> Slobies from the makers of I don't know. Oh, I didn't have a thing lined up for that joke. Oh god. Okay, in the episode. All right. Uh, well, since we we've said the magic phrase end of the episode, and also Henry, just to let you know, I'm proud of you because at no point did you say my wife. Yeah. Uh, That's because I feel like, I think she's asleep. We had a really rough day today and I didn't feel like uh, bringing her up tonight. 
because I felt like she could deserve a break. Hey, that's fine. That means we both have significant others who are desperately trying to sleep. Yeah. Uh, but since we said the magic words end the episode, you are editing. Correct. You always, you always pause like you don't realize that you edited the podcast last week. I don't. Okay, well, I am editing. <laughs> Well, since you're editing, I'd like to do a very low volume, significant you got, other. You got louder. <laughs> trying to sleep, I moved the microphone closer to my face. I would like to do a pe- measured. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I would like a, a pun measure. <laughs> I would like to do a a measured, there you go. calm, ASMR mukbang. <laughs> that you're not going to eat anything. Social media plugs. Oh, this is this is going to be very weird because this is very different than the energy I usually bring into this. Yeah. Ooh, do a slow jam. It. It's a slow jam. Slowby. Slowby. <laughs> Okay, here we go. If you'd like to send us a tweet, oh, it's so it's so strange. It's so strange to say it's so close to the microphone. If you'd like to send us a tweet, you can do so at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Hi, I'm Henry, and I'm going to be doing the ZCPCWHJ acronym tonight on WHJK. (laughs) ZCPC stands for Zombie Cougars Pounce Corruptly Win Hikers Jog. That's right, Henry. Thank you for the ZCPCWHJ acronym. Now we're moving on to the part where we discuss the email, where you can send us an email, and you can do so at zero credits. Nope. (laughs) Wait. Yes. No. Incorrect. Oh, fuck. You, You can do so at email at zero credits dot net that's right dot net and maybe since there's only an email server there right now and you went when this episode goes live and you look at zero credits dot net mightn't one see if there's a website there most likely will not be we are on facebook but forget facebook we are on Spotify, where we get most of our scrabbles. You can find us by searching for zero credit, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, podcast on Spotify.com. We usually don't include the, the podcast there. I'm not sure how we're listed. Henry probably knows more about that than I do. We're also don't, on. Don't type podcast. <laughs> Search for zero credit. 
open parentheses, <laughs> S close parentheses on a Spotify. And we are on Apple Podcasts, one of the best ways for people to learn about the podcast is for you to comment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Haha, though, the best way for people to hear about us is from your sweet little mouth. So please, word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So tell people with your fingers, tapa 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 on your keys or phone, or with your mouth, speaka 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 into a phone or computer, or with your eyes, in which you will tell someone with your eyes to listen to Zero Credits Podcast. That is the best way to tell people to listen to our podcast. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Studios apartment, five bedroom, five bathroom, five bedroom, five bathroom studios. We want to wish you a happy quarantine. And I'm going to throw a little stink on this one and say, Goodbye. 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 God. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go via con Dios. Via. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what an insufferable way to end an episode I chose to do. <laughs>